Welcome to this week's energy show. You know, natural gas, solar, and wind killed the Westinghouse Nuclear Company. This just happened last month. And this is a story about technological transformations and the story about the rise and fall of a great company. And it's a lot clearer now about what will happen to the nuclear power industry when we kind of see these, these big houses of cards, these, these big projects, these big goals, um, just not pan out in terms of cost-effective power as we thought. And the good thing is, at least we have some alternatives. And, and, and um, it's actually these alternatives that are um, making other forms of uh, electric power obsolete and not cost-effective. So here's the basic story. On March 29, 2017, the Westinghouse Electric Company, LLC, filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Chapter 11 is a reorganization, so the company's not being liquidated. They're going to try and continue, get some more money, and figure out how to continue operations. And that would be a good thing because they got a lot of power plants that are in the middle of construction. Now, let's talk about a little bit of the background. Westinghouse Electric Company is a division of the Japanese conglomerate Toshiba. Toshiba is like a big electronics manufacturer, and they decided to get into power generation. Now, the problem with Westinghouse Electric is that there were huge cost overruns at a, at a couple of their biggest U.S. nuclear projects. One was at a place called, one was at a utility called SCANA, it's a South Carolina utility, SCANA Corporation's Virgil C. Summer Nuclear Generating Station, and that was in South Carolina. And the other big disaster was the Southern Company, which is building the Volkley Electric Generating Plant. Tough word. And that's in Georgia. So we've got these issues coming up in the Southeast, South Carolina, Georgia. The two major utilities there bought into the concept of, of building some new nuclear plants. And I think in both of these cases, they're plants, properties that have older plants. So they're just putting in more nuclear power, kind of understand that if the price has worked out, but the pricing didn't work out way more expensive than they thought, and it's taking forever. So that's what caused Westinghouse to file for bankruptcy. Now, let's talk about a little bit of the background here, because Westinghouse today is not what you may think about Westinghouse of, of the past. Now, just kind of uh, turning the clock back, and, and I've got some personal history involved in here too, George Westinghouse founded the Westinghouse Electric Company in 1886. Now, he worked with Nikolai Tesla on the electrical infrastructure that's been powering the world for 100 years. Now, the basic idea was Westinghouse, he came from a background where he was making brakes for locomotives. These are air brakes, pressurized air that would actually stop trains. A great idea, an air brake. But, he, but as they started getting into electrical distribution, Westinghouse realized that Nikolai Tesla had the winning technology. Tesla was one of these crazy geniuses, and he basically invented all the parts that go into AC power. He invented he developed the mathematics, the equipment, etc. And the great thing about AC power, alternating current power, is with AC power, because you can use transformers to step up voltage transmit at long distances, and then you can use transformers to step down the voltage again to usable 120 volts that you use in, in buildings and houses. It's a very, very good way to transmit power from a power plant over distances to where it's going to be used. Now, at the time, and this is, you know, around the, the late 1800s, 1900, Thomas Edison was pushing DC power. Now, Thomas Edison basically invented the light bulb, and once you got the light bulb, you got to get electricity to where people want to use the light bulb. So he was pushing the concept of DC power. The problem with DC power is you need very, very heavy wires to carry a lot of current, 
or you need to step the voltage up. But at the time, there was no easy way to move voltages from you know the 10,000 volts that you want to have to transmit it down to the 100 volts you need to use it. So it turned out that AC was much better than DC. And in terms of the world's electrical distribution equipment, AC power won out. Westinghouse and Tesla ended up building most of the early electrical generation transmission and distribution systems. And eventually, Edison got on board with with that also. And and just kind of going back, Edison founded the General Electric Company. They're still around. George Westinghouse uh, was pushing Westinghouse. And in one way or another, they're still around. And they both did really, really well in terms of building these big industrial conglomerates. And actually, both GE and Westinghouse were very involved in the nuclear industry. Now, let's fast forward to the 1990s. <laughs> Interesting, in, in 1995, the Westinghouse Electric Company purchased the Columbia Broadcasting System, CBS Broadcasting. And what, what they found was that they saw, and this, you know, this was kind of the, the corporate strategy at the time, the, the accountants, the lawyers, the strategists, they saw more future in broadcasting and media than in heavy industry. So what they did is they started to sell off more and more of their hardware businesses. They sold off their power business to Siemens. They sold off their entire nuclear business to a company called British Nuclear Fuels Limited. And they sold off all of their other consumer businesses and actually changed into a business model where they're licensing the Westinghouse name. And taking one step further, they renamed Westinghouse to CBS. So the corporate entity that was Westinghouse Electric that was founded by George Westinghouse is now called CBS. And see, you know, the broadcasting system is just a subsidiary. Now, I have a personal interest in this whole thing because I partnered with Westinghouse and CBS in 2010 to create Westinghouse Solar because, boy, Westinghouse is just such a great brand name. It's great for solar. I was happily running the Akina Solar Company. We were public. And we were coming out with AC solar modules. And, boy, what, what would be a better match in terms of a brand name than the company that pioneered AC Power, Westinghouse, than to come up with Westinghouse Solar, which was selling AC modules. So it was a great, great brand for solar. And, you know, the products were great. Unfortunately, the products were kind of expensive at the time. Microinverters were just too pricey. Modules were too pricey. We couldn't hit the do-it-yourself market. I ended up selling the whole company in 2012 and got back into plain old solar installations and technology. But, boy, I really admire what Westinghouse did for the electrical power industry, and I really admire the value of that brand because you go into – an electrician or a home or an HVAC guy, and, and you can still see Westinghouse electric equipment that's, that's on the wall. It's been there for 10, 20, 50, 50 years. Now, now let's take a look and see at what's going on with the Westinghouse nuclear business. Now, I mentioned that was sold to a company. The, the Westinghouse nuclear business was sold to a company called British Nuclear Fuels. And what happened is the reason why there was so much interest in nuclear was that Westinghouse when it was still Westinghouse, developed a new design for a nuclear reactor called the AP-1000. And this was a design that could be factory built. So you didn't have to build the whole nuclear plant on site. Theoretically, you always want to do things at a factory, then you can ship it there and it reduces costs, improves reliability. It's a really good idea. So in the 90s, there continued to be a big push for nuclear power plants, a little bit of a nuclear renaissance. And this was well before wind and solar and natural gas were getting really, really cheap. So what happened is that Toshiba wanted to get into the nuclear business, and they ended up buying the Westinghouse Nuclear Company from BNFL in, 20, in 2006. So Toshiba 
bought Westinghouse Nuclear for $5.4 billion in 2006 from British Nuclear Fuels and then became a division of Toshiba. And when I kind of got refamiliar refamiliarized myself with Westinghouse, I realized Westinghouse was really a division of Toshiba. And what was left of Westinghouse was a bunch of lawyers and accountants in Pittsburgh that were licensing, and all the decisions were made by CBS in New York City. But at this time in 2006, around the same time, Southern Company and Scana, two big utilities that we talked about earlier, chose the AP1000 design for their new nuclear plants. And, and Westinghouse Nuclear also started building nuclear plants all around the world. So here's what happened over the, you know, 10 or 20 year period since then. So Scana Corporation started to build their summer plant in South Carolina in 2008. And their original cost estimate for that plant was about $9.8 billion. And that was for two new nuclear units. And that was done on the site where there's an existing two nuclear plants. So it's kind of good to build more nuclear plants where there's existing nuclear plants because you already have the, the transmission infrastructure, the wiring. You've already dealt with a lot of the safety issues. You've got areas where you can store some fuel so you don't have to kind of carve that new area out. Now, the, the current cost estimates for this summer plant uh, went up from 9.8 billion to about 13 billion and the plant's not expected to be completed until 2020 more about the 2020 later now the second construction project was the Southern Corps Votley plant in Georgia that was also started around 2006 that was a more expensive 14 billion dollars once again for two units where there's an existing two nuclear units now the current cost estimates for these two plants 21 billion dollars once again expected to be done in 2020 I think that's baloney, but we'll talk about that more later. Now, the other thing for this Southern Corp plant is the Department of Energy authorized an $8.3 billion loan guarantee to Georgia Power and Light, which is the utility owned by Southern Corporation, for this plant. Now, so far, these two plants are like $10 billion over budget so far, and they're way behind schedule. So the chances of these things getting done for the original estimates are are completely gone. It's just going to go way up, and we'll talk more about that later. All right, so let's talk about the financial mess that the nuclear industry is in right now and and the financial mess at Westinghouse Nuclear. So in February of 2017, Toshiba started to get ready for problems at their their subsidiary Westinghouse Nuclear. They announced a $6.1 billion write-down for the two projects that were being built, the, the project in Georgia and the project in South Carolina. As I mentioned, both of these projects are two reactors. So they were getting ready on their on their balance sheet to say, hey, we might have a problem, so don't be surprised. They were getting ready in case their subsidiary Westinghouse Nuclear filed for bankruptcy. And no surprise, I mean, you know, they, they know what's going on. They were the ones that made the decision. So on March 29th, Westinghouse filed for bankruptcy in their division at Toshiba. So this was the decision that was made by Toshiba. So now what's going to happen is the Southern Company and Scana are probably going to go to court to seek payment, some kind of guarantees from Toshiba so that they can actually get these plants completed. So, you know, they'll go back to the parent company and say, hey, we bought a system from you. We bought these projects from your subsidiary. You got to make sure that this job gets done. But it's going to get really complicated because bankruptcy law is going to protect that, that parent company to a certain degree. All right. Basically, these two utilities, they want their power plants completed. They contracted for them, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, and, and they want to get them. They need the power they, they need that power in some way. The customers need the power. And actually, these utilities also need the income that that these extra utility assets are going to generate, and they need a way to sell that electricity to customers. So Toshiba guaranteed 
$5.9 billion against cost overruns. Now, when I kind of look through the numbers and see historically what the cost overruns are now and what the delays are continuing to be, boy, that $5.9 billion isn't going to go very far. There's just no way that that's going to cover the completion of these plants. So that's all up to the lawyers and the utilities and the government to kind of figure out. Let's look at what happened with the loan guarantee. I find this kind of ironic because it's the same situation as Solyndra. The DOE loan guarantee is there so that if a new technology that can't raise enough public outside capital goes to the government for help to, to get some capital to, to um, complete projects or to, to prove the, the utility of projects. Now, a lot of this money was used for solar energy projects. There's, some, there's a bunch of utility scale systems in place, and, and they're working great. But Solyndra was also one of those situations where it's a new technology, and their investors said, hey, let's get a $500 million loan guarantee from the DOE. They got that which is great, and it helped them build their factory. Unfortunately, the Solyndra technology just wasn't cost-effective enough compared to the, the existing improvements in regular solar technology. So Solyndra went bankrupt. Boy, there was so much noise about this five, five years ago, six years ago, about how terrible it is that the DOE invested money in Solyndra and the government was picking winners and losers. Well, guess what? The government guaranteed $8 billion to Westinghouse Nuclear, so the problem is 16 times worse, and we're going to see you know, what, what happens there. But basically what's going to happen is, is my bet is the taxpayers are going to end up paying this. Now, the DOE loan guarantee program, there's some work, some don't. We're going to have definitely some losses, or we're going to have some winners. But here's a case where a technology that was an older technology, they're trying to improve it, really just didn't pan out because newer technologies like solar and wind overcame the benefits. So I find that ironic, and I'm looking forward to the the news stories on Fox News and some others about how terrible it is that this nuclear project defaulted. But I'm not going to hold my breath. So what's going to happen with these two big reactor projects, the one in Georgia and the one in South Carolina? And note that each of these projects has two reactors. So we're talking about four reactors being constructed. Now, the utilities right now are just absolutely panicking, scrambling to find a way to pay for these projects. Now, the utilities have plenty of money, but they don't want to use their own money. They don't want to take their profits to pay for these projects. They want to get money from ratepayers, or they want to get money from the government so that they don't lose profits. And as I mentioned, they want the reactors completed because they're going to make money by selling the electricity, and they're going to get make money by counting those assets on their balance sheet because they get a guaranteed rate of return on their assets. And if those assets disappear, they don't get a rate of return on that. They're going to have to find different assets. Now, now let's look at it realistically and, and objectively. I'll try and be objective here. Now, when completed, these nuclear plants would produce relatively clean power. I'm saying relatively because there's zero emissions from nuclear generation, but we do have the issue of local waste, and that hasn't really been figured out lo- locally or nationally. I mean, we, st- we still just dump this stuff in ponds, cooling ponds, and just let it sit there. There's no national waste disposal system yet. But they do not generate carbon dioxide, which is good. And, that's, that, and it's one of the ironies here that nuclear is one way for us to, to minimize the emissions of greenhouse gas. But then it's just way too expensive. So when we're talking about way too expensive, the generating costs for nuclear are much higher than wind and solar and natural gas. Natural gas isn't clean, but you know it's cleaner than coal. And obviously, the construction costs are much higher. But the other advantage of nuclear, and they always talk about this, this is kind of baseload power. Those nuclear plants 
like to run pretty much 95% of the time, you know, 5% down for maintenance and things like that. But they just run all day, all night, just cranking out the juice. So there is some logic to finish these plants. But it's pretzel logic because who's going to pay for the completion of these plants and then what's going to be the cost afterwards? The reality is either the rate payers in South, South Carolina and Georgia are going to pay a ton more money for electricity over the years or taxpayers are going to end up paying for this because the utilities are going to bend over backwards to avoid paying it for themselves. So the only good thing that could come about completion of these plants is going to be good for the utilities, but it's not going to be good for taxpayers. It's not going to be good for ratepayers. It's it's not really going to be good for the environment because we're going to be generating more nuclear power, much, much better solutions. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. So I kind of tried to figure out what's going on from the utilities perspective about this bankruptcy of Westinghouse. So I read through the status updates on the websites of the utilities. And boy, it's just such a rosy picture. I'm just talking about what I saw on Scanna's website. It's a rosy picture. It's all going to be okay. But you know what? It's all baloney. It's BS. Scanna and Southern Company really want to finish the plant. And on their website, they say, hey, you know what? Um, some people ask questions. What about renewables? Well, Scanna comes back and says nuclear is clean also, and it's going to get done fast. And it's going to be more expensive to build renewables. I think that's just baloney. They just don't want to build renewables. Now, the question also comes up on Scanner's website, what about rates go up? And they say rates are going to go up a little bit whether or not the plant is completed. Well, the reality is, yeah, the rates rates are going to go up whether or not the plant is completed, because even if the plant is canceled, the ratepayers still have to pay for that partial construction and you know decommissioning of you know big holes and piles of concrete and pieces of steel in the ground. So the fact is, if they stop the construction right now, they could generate much more energy, many more kilowatt hours, much faster from wind and solar and natural gas. And they could also get the power they need at night with natural gas. And even if they were to go hog wild and put in a ton of battery storage systems, that would still be cheaper than trying to finish these nuclear plants and run these plants. So the bottom line, it's a financial issue with Scana, and it's a financial issue with the Southern Corporation. That either the taxpayers eat the $8 billion loan guarantee or the ratepayers are going to have to see $8 billion of increased rates. And as I mentioned, the ratepayers have to pay for partial construction of the plants, whether or not completed. So it's kind of funny. I look at my electric bill. There's a line item called nuclear decommissioning. So in the future, in South Carolina and in Georgia, there's going to be a line on everybody's electric bill saying nuclear construction costs for bad cancel plants that you didn't want from the beginning. So they're going to be paying for this for 10 or 20 years, whether or not those plants are completed. So where does this leave the nuclear industry? This is kind of the overall question. Well, the AP-1000 reactor was a great hope for the nuclear renaissance. Cheaper faster to build, safer, but it didn't work out that way anywhere in the world. Both in the U.S., India, reactors in China are way behind schedule. It bankrupted Westinghouse. There's no company that's going to take over Westinghouse's assets to continue the construction. There's not going to be any more loan guarantees. And part of the reason is that the costs are high. 10 cents a kilowatt hour for construction of a nuclear plant, and that's if the construction's on time, plus the operating costs, plus the cleanup costs, whereas solar and wind are a nickel a kilowatt hour all in. No fuel costs. Natural gas is about the same price for the plant and the fuel at current fuel prices. So these these uh, natural gas, solar and wind, cheaper to build, faster to build, much cleaner. Now, I know we're going to see a lot of lobbying from the nuclear industry, but the trend is in the other direction. Bottom line, there's not going to be any more nuclear plants. This is a slow and steady transformation away from older technologies. Coal was replaced by oil. 
Oil for generating electricity was replaced by nuclear. Nuclear generally is replaced by natural gas, and natural gas is getting replaced by wind, solar, and batteries. Now, I see the same exact problems happening with clean coal. The Kemper plant in, in Mississippi, it's also a southern company plant, they just announced that they can't afford to burn coal and turn a profit. So they can burn coal, but they're going to be making electricity that's unprofitable. The ratepayers are going to have to overpay for that. So essentially, these older technologies, these older fuels, nuclear and coal, they're being rendered obsolete by wind and solar and natural gas. So what should we do? My suggestion right now, cut the losses at these nuclear plants. My suggestion to the PUC is if you're going to listen, just pull the plug. Start with a clean sheet of paper and say, what can you do now to generate clean power that's going to be cheapest for ratepayers? And it's going to be a combination of wind, solar, natural gas, and batteries. And also, PUCs, you need to encourage your customers, businesses, and homeowners to install solar panels on their rooftops. And don't make it difficult and more expensive for them to buy solar from the utility. So from a utility standpoint, they're going to make less money, but the customers are going to get cheaper electricity. Well, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for joining us. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcast. 